Mana Health Vista podcast. I'm Amy and I'm here today, no Jenny sadly, she's not very well, um, but I have a lovely guest with me, Dina Mendes. Hi Dina! Hi Amy, how are you? <laughs> Hello, good thanks, how are you? I'm great, the sun is shining so I feel really good. <laughs> it's amazing how much of a difference it makes like it's been all snowy and frosty and grim and cold and horrible and now the sun's out we're all like oh yeah <laughs> it does it does <laughs> because i mean you for those of us who've been working from home um have had mm. kids at home and it's been getting dark at 4 p.m and it's cold and snowy you don't really want to go out even if you can go yeah. out so yeah, yeah. waking up with the sun shining through the windows it makes a huge difference to your spirits it really does. You're so right. So um, I know lovely Dina from our, we did our SCPHN training together, didn't we, Dina? Yes, when we I did, did. When I did my health visiting and you are a school nurse, aren't you? Correct. Memories from so, Kings. It was, a, we yes. were an amazing group of, uh, of girls at Kings. We had two boys and the rest of us <laughs> yeah. were all girls. It was pretty cool. <laughs> It was such a lovely group, wasn't it? I've got such my fond memories of that time. It was such a supportive group and such a lovely group. Unbelievable, um, yeah. We studied together, we helped each other. Because it, 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 yeah. it's a tough programme. People sometimes mm. forget, but it was, it's a tough programme. So we carried each other in some, um, in some parts. Yeah, that's really true. Um, so, yeah, so I saw that you'd done this video um, for the Mayor of London's office. Um, which may I say you look extremely glamorous. I had to try my best. Um, <laughs> I mean, lately I, I just wash and cream and go and it's been like, I'm, I'm bored, I need to go out, I need to socialize, I need to make up, I need to put my pearls on. And that was just a great opportunity <laughs> to do a bit more to oneself. <laughs> well, it looks fab. Um, and I loved everything you were saying, and it's just such a really lovely, brilliant video. Um, and I thought a real, for such a short clip, it's less than a minute long, and I thought it really gave a little insight into kind of this whole EU journey um, for people, and I thought it was really interesting. And it made me realise that this is an issue that we need to cover on the podcast, um, just to provide a little bit of information for people, maybe a bit of myth-busting. Um, and kind of a bit of support, I guess, for our colleagues who yeah. are going through this um, settled status application and all of that. Yeah, um, it was a lovely video so, and it kind of, the reason why I accepted to be on it was because it put a human face. It put a human face yeah. to the to European immigrant, to the foreigner. Yeah. It put a human face, yeah. who we are, um, what is London to us. Uh, and I think it was mm. short and cute. And it just showed mm. we are your colleagues and your friends and your teachers and, uh, you know, your nurses. Yeah, That's who we are. We are people yeah. living the same lives yeah. as you are. And I, I really yeah. loved that aspect of it. Yes, definitely. And we're not different people now all of a sudden just because some political vote has happened. We're still the same human that we were, you know, 
days and weeks and months and absolutely yeah we're still your neighbor we still live next door to you and take our kids to the mm. same schools and eat in the same restaurants and pay the yeah. same government taxes you know everything is still yeah. the same except we are now labeled differently and we now have to go through different hoops to be allowed to yeah. stay in our homes you know to continue yeah. being your neighbors continue being your colleagues continue being your active member of society so is those hidden behind application forms items that the general yeah. public really doesn't know and our colleagues and yeah. our clients are going through and we don't know so i think this is a great idea for a podcast just to shine a bit of a light on what's happening there yeah. you're totally right and that must be so difficult i mean you can't even and I think it's perhaps like you say something people don't really realize because they see all oh, settled status and they think oh well you know that's fine you can just apply for settled status and it's just um just a formality kind of thing but actually you know to you if you've been living here and this is your home to suddenly be told oh it's not your home anymore until you do this form um you know that's a really un unsettling for want of a better word <laughs> Um, thing to be told, isn't it? It is unsettling. And on top of that, let's just rewind a little bit back to that July 2016 when the results of the yeah. vote came through. It was an yeah. absolute shock. And I, when I yeah. say it was a shock and bereavement of some sort, I'm not just speaking yeah. for myself because I've actually spoken to different members of different nationalities within the EU in different seminars. Mm. The feeling is mutual. There's a sort of, oh my God, we are not wanted. That was the first mm. reaction. It was so painful. It took some of us days mm. and weeks to process it and understand what has just happened. And now we yeah. have to contend with the outcome of that result, which was not clear yeah. at all, because we, to be honest, no one was waiting for that outcome at all. Absolutely. It came as a shock, even to yeah. government uh, that now has to put in place measures to deal with such a huge um, result. Um, so yeah. from then, to, to, na to now, 2021, I don't blame the majority of the general public who think it's done. It's dusted. It's finished. It was 2016. Yeah. What do you have to yeah. talk about now? Well, the problem yeah. is we are now nearing very rapidly to the end of the grace period that allows European yeah. citizens to apply to be able to continue residing, working, uh, living, yeah in the United Kingdom, that deadline is fast approaching. And what we have noticed is that from 2016 to now, there hasn't been real work in reaching out to all the no. European citizens that reside in Absolutely. the UK um, for different reasons. I'm not here to blame or apport blame to anyone for, this, for different reasons. Different communities have different needs. Um, Mm -hmm. And somehow there's been a lack uh, from the Home Office, which is the department that is dealing with um, the regulation of the EU citizens since the outcome of that vote, um, mm -hmm. hasn't, hasn't been as open and as willing to listen to grassroots voices within the communities who tell them what is the issue and what we need to engage with. And then on top mm -hmm. of that, the pandemic hit. 
So obviously, um, new barriers were created, Um, barriers to get documentation, barriers to send those documentation with post offices closed or tremendous queues. Members of communities who are vulnerable, who can't really deal with the the digital process for an application because it can only be done uh, on a smartphone. It started with an iPhone only. So any anyone who did not have an iPhone could not apply literally for months on end. Um, So that carried a delay. Uh, finally, uh, no, I'm lying. I'm lying. Actually, it was the other way around. The Android was the only ones who could apply. Oh, right. But that's ridiculous. I mean, for goodness sake, surely, surely to goodness, if you're going to release something that is available for people to apply for, you're going to get a flood of people at that moment when you release it and you have all the press coverage of the fact that you've released it, loads of people are going to access it at that time. If half of them can't access it because they've not got the right type of phone, then you potentially lost those people then, haven't you? Absolutely. in their heads they're going, oh, well, I tried, but it didn't work for me. Absolutely. So the first barrier you created was to say to everyone that doesn't have an Android phone, you can apply. And then people found Mm. solutions of their own because people are very resilient and imaginative. So they got together and made tea parties and they applied in friends phones groups Mm. got together and used a single phone to do each other's applications so people are innovative you know and it's uh, and it was lovely to see that amazing really the resilience to show that's shown in doing that to be honest is is phenomenal but they shouldn't have to you know no you shouldn't have to absolutely shouldn't have to and the emotional barrier you're overcoming to do something like that to all get together and have a tea party and say we're all going to share your phone yeah 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 absolutely it shows the human spirit uh, to be honest with you and i did i did i did like that bit but i also knew it was not a solution it was not a solution because first the government doesn't really know how many european citizens are in the uk doesn't really know because they've never never implemented any sort of registration or listing or nothing ever because there was no there was no need because we were all we all had the same rights we are in all the 28 countries we had exactly the same rights anyone could travel study play live in any of the 28 countries so there was really no need to keep a tab however Everyone who travels to live in a new country registers with their embassy or their consulate in that new country. Mm. So if the government wanted to have an idea of the number of EU citizens in the UK, they could have reached out to the individual governments. Right. So why did that not happen? Because uh, this is really (laughs) funny and you will. Yes, it's it's funny. It's not political now, Dina. Yeah, you know. There's so many issues within Brexit, and one of them was the fact that the majority of the reasons the UK used to get the general public to vote for Brexit is sovereignty and control their own laws. But they always Mm -hmm. had that, yeah? They always had that. Mm -hmm. Every country Mm -hmm. only implements the European discussed laws that they thought were suitable for their own country, yeah? Right. No yes, one was so never yeah. forced to implement any law. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there yeah, were guidelines. And, mirrors and they approved it together. Out. They passed it together in the commission. 
Yeah, you yeah. vote for your MPs. Your MPs attend the different commissions in Brussels, and they all vote together. So nothing yeah. was ever pushed on to the UK. No. The UK is a founding member of several commissions. Yeah. So yeah. they had the power of veto over smaller countries. No, nothing was ever pushed onto the UK. They were always present, voting or vetoing or deciding how do we get yeah. the best out of this. And only then did Yeah, this is vote. how democracy works. Exactly. So yeah. us coming in and you telling us, okay, let, you, let your local authority know you live here by registering here was something the UK could have done if they wanted like other countries did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, you're coming over here now. Okay. So for six months, you need to find a job, start being a, an active member of society. And only then can you get benefits, health, blah, 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 okay. blah, blah, blah. Could have been done as well because most yeah. countries do that. So all of these things that they argued against us because. I see. So, so you're saying, so you're saying then that. Um, in some countries in the EU, when you go to... Sorry, you have to excuse my ignorance here because I'm literally hopeless. But in some countries, if you're an EU citizen, you go to live in another EU country, you have to register with the with the consulate in that country. But in the UK, you don't have to do that. No, they never ask this. Yeah, so the UK doesn't have any kind of definitive lists of how many EU citizens we no, have. So they have no idea. estimates and the best kind of numbers... Um, I could find, um, and, and I was looking at NHS staff particularly, um, yeah. and I know you're talking more broadly as well, and it's of course relevant for um, our colleagues listening to this podcast, but also for the families that we serve. Isn't yes, it? You know, exactly. It's a message to be passed on to everyone. But if we look at NHS staff alone, I think they're estimating 67,000 NHS staff at EU nationals, which makes up 5.5% of all staff. Yeah. And yeah. they're saying for nurses and health visitors, that's actually 6%. Um, it's a higher percentage of nurses and health visitors. Yeah. And when we look at new nurses, they say that almost a third of the new nurses registering in 2016, 2017 were from European economic area countries. Yeah. And those so numbers really are big pretty correct because the NHS does those yeah, stats yeah matter. the nhs yeah, okay. knows their internal staff the nhs sure. has been doing international recruitment particularly in spain portugal and italy there's been a yeah. very large drive that started in 2013 if i'm yeah, not yeah. mistaken 2012 2013 they started these uh, european drives to recruit nurses because it was harder to recruit um yeah, asian and african nurses due to the changes in in regulations and v for third-party countries, which is non-European countries. So since then, they turn to recruit okay. from Portugal, okay. Spain, Italy, and other European countries. Romania, for example, has several nurses here as well. Uh, but those three countries yes. in particular shipped over a large number of nurses yes. and, and dentists and yeah. um, scientists um, yeah. that work in yeah. research. Be why? Because and we need them. <laughs> and, in, and absolutely we need, need them. <laughs> absolutely need them. I mean, for example, at the time I was working in a London trust, the biggest London trust, and its trust, it was, 
he had about 10% um, yeah. of its vacancies were nurse vacancies. And yeah. within the whole of London, in that time, this was 2015, the shortage of nurses in London alone was 20,000. The need is tremendous. So yeah. the colleagues we work with, we very much need them to be I there mean, with us. We know we all have colleagues who we desperately need, who we think, Jesus Christ, if it gets to the 30th of June and this is, and suddenly we were forced to lose this colleague, what would happen to our teams, you know, to health visiting teams up and down the country would just be, I mean, I mean, I'm thinking microcosm, really, health visiting teams. You know, you could go bigger, you could go NHS, you could go the whole of the country, really, because ultimately we need these employers, employees um, and employers. You know, we need these Listen, people. listen, um, <laughs> it would be catastrophic, oh my God, I can't say the word, catastrophic, <laughs> help me. It would be really <laughs> that one, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. that word. It would be really, really bad yeah. because, um, particularly for hospital-based care, um, the words are filled with uh, yes. Portuguese, Italian, yeah. uh, Spanish, uh, French nurses up and down the country. In some, in some yeah. trusts, they really will have four or five European nurses on shift. Um, on a night shift, on any given yeah, night yeah, shift. Yeah, yeah. And we have to be realistic. This yeah. is not, we're not here to bash anything and to say, oh, we need to train more British nurses. Yes, we know that. We know that. The government knows what they need to do, but they're not yeah. implementing none of the solutions that several different organizations have told them we need to see. So let's, fa let's face mm. the crisis mm. that we have right now. And the crisis that we have right now yeah, is sure. that several yeah, trusts sure. within the country are not engaging with the issues that the European staff members are encountering. They haven't been talking about it. Fair enough, yeah. we have a pandemic right now, so that has gone into the back burner. I do understand that. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah. you should be able to manage more than one crisis at a time. We have the NHS. That's what we do. And also... Uh, that is really true. I mean, if we've, we're, we're health visitors here, if we don't know how to prioritise, then we're in trouble. And school nurses, sorry. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, yeah, they're managing more than one thing at once and gone on the back burner thing. Um, you're right. I suppose it did go on the back burner when COVID emerged and it was all new and terrifying and we all had to kind of respond to that immediate crisis but actually now we're a year on into covid um you know measures have been put in place now we're all kind of operating in the world that we're operating in at the moment for better or worse and now what's happening is that that back burner is smoking because you're talking about june yes now, the 30th of june you know and we're sitting here and nearly the end of february already so yes. there is a very limited time left really for people to submit those um settled status yes. and pre-settled status yes. applications isn't there very much so and what scares me right now in this period of the year is the fact that the home office is issuing out numbers and and celebrating mm. frontline news of we've received five million applications did you see that mm. one I didn't know. So that was in the front page of the Telegraph, the Daily Mirror, all the all the yeah. famous right wing uh, newspapers yeah. that are very much 
hook, line and sink with this government and the Home Office in particular. Um, yeah. And they were celebrating the fact that they have received 5 million um, applications for e European well, settled status. What's that as a proportion of the, of the EU citizens living in the UK? That's what you need to know, isn't it? We need to know how many of us are here. We need yeah, to yeah. know how many of those 5 millions have been approved. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. We need to know how many of those 5 millions are still pending and in limbo or have been declined. There are several questions that they are not answering and they are not providing you with clarity. But they are happy to come out and shine a light on 5 million applications and praise themselves. Out of those, okay. I actually have a few numbers. Out of those 5 million yeah. applications, over 340,000 have been pending for over six months up to a year. What? Let me open my notes so I give you the right numbers. Oh my God, do you know what, Dina? This shouldn't shock me, but it does. There's another 141,000 that have been refused or invalidated. We also don't know how many of those five millions are repeat applications. Because when something yeah, goes wrong, you apply again. Yeah, of course you do, yeah. Because there's well, nothing you... to say you can't apply again. So you're trying to no. save yourself and your family, you will apply again. I myself applied more than once. Yeah. Because at first... The app refused to read my identity card because we have to use the phone to read your passport and find your yeah. chip or to read your yeah. ID card and find your chip. So I right. myself had that problem with my own application. It, it, it was impossible yeah. to read my card. So first application, right. invalid. Second application, again, with my husband's phone, again, the same thing. So then I had to go oh, into... Gosh a forum of an organization that's supporting the EU citizens doing the application to read upon it and try to understand what's the problem. Because the Home Office webpage is not guiding you through any issues you might encounter. Nothing. Zilch. Never. So then they told me that actually the Portuguese and the Spanish identity cards have extra digits that we don't normally use when we right. need to use our own IDs. We don't use right, those extra yeah, digits. Okay. But the Home Office has made it so that we need to include all the digits. But it was right, never okay. said to us. So then my, oh third, my third application finally worked. So this so is just an example. If you take 5 million and divide it by 3, that's a lot less, isn't it? Way less. Way less. And then you have those that have been declined. You have those that are pending. Families are yeah. stressed. No idea yeah. why. And what happens, I mean, I assume if it's pending, they must get it back to you before, like in time for you to reapply before the 30th of June. Have they made any like promises of that or made any commitments to that? What we have been doing now, so grassroots organizations, including the biggest one representing the European citizens, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's called the Three Million. The Three Million has been in the forefront right, of right. Uh, working together with the Home Office to make sure that no one is left behind. So one of their requests is yeah. that uh, the deadline is um, extended. 
that's the biggest request right okay. now and that's the the campaign they're working on to make sure that the government forgets the, the june deadline and extend yeah. for another six to 12 that's months particularly due to the impact yeah. that covid has had on the number of applications okay. yeah um we need to take into yeah. consideration what's really happening in society right now libraries yeah. have been closed um colleges yeah. and schools Post places that allow it access to yeah. members of the community that are not necessarily digitally active I mean, yeah, the grandparents sure. of children that we go and see as health visitors and as school nurses, parents that mm. are of low income, families that we mm. will go and see their children at home and we will maybe mm. write a letter to the local authority to tell them the housing is inappropriate. Well, in that inappropriate housing, she might not have IT either or a computer or internet. Mm. How is she mm. going to do her application for herself and her baby? Yeah, yeah. It impacts all areas of our lives because as nurses, it impacts us and our colleagues because if we are working in a trust that is quiet about it, we might have colleagues that are not sure if they have done everything they need to. Yeah. And then some of the families we work with that we come across might not have all the all the things we take for granted i have a laptop i have a smartphone i have an ipad how many of mm. our families particularly in the poorest areas of the uk will have access to all of this no, to do their application sure. absolutely or guidance yeah. from the library that is not shut yeah. from uh, schools yeah. because some schools um have uh, created little workshops to guide the parents of their children. Yes. Those are also shut. Yeah. Who is yeah. guiding these families? Mm. Yeah? Mm. The questions children are... Children's centres aren't open. No, nothing. Children's centre, everything is shut. So mm. these families are currently pen- staying in a state of limbo. Yes, yeah. And the deadline is fast approaching. Yes, you you couldn't be more right. I mean, if you're so if if there's a health visitor or a school nurse or any member of staff or anybody listening to this who knows they're an EU citizen and they're not sure about um their application or their status or what they need to do, where would you signpost them? What do they need to do? Or is there some things that they need to know about, you know, what are the kind of key things that we should make sure we don't miss here in this Yeah. So uh, when you do your application, you get an email that confirms your application. That's the first thing. You need to keep that email safe. Because if we reach Mm -hmm. the end of June without their application being approved, all they have to demonstrate that they made the application on time is that email. So that's the first thing, because I know for a fact, I actually personally know people that have been waiting for a year and still have not received confirmation of their status. Yeah. It hasn't been declined, it hasn't been given, yeah, it's yeah. just pending. Yeah? So the only thing and they have- that's so nerve wracking. For the whole family. The, whole, the only thing that they have is yeah. that email that confirms they applied with plenty of time. And then the consequent yeah. emails yeah. of them trying to get an update. Those yeah, are the only yeah. evidences they will have. 
guaranteed. Yeah. So keep those emails safe because if push comes to shove and we have to take the document to court, yeah. The only document you have as proof that you applied with plenty of time is that email, is that yeah. email confirming from the home office saying we have received your application, we will review it and let you know. That's all you yeah. have. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. all your child has. That's all your mom has. That's all your friend mm. has. That's all your colleague has. Mm. Literally. Mm. Because we, the grassroots organizations and particularly the three million will be um, pushing for court case if, uh, if uh, we don't get the extension because it's mm. just mm. needed. The hostile yes, environment yeah, yeah, yeah. will... It, we will have Windrush number two and it will be with yeah. EU citizens instead of Caribbeans. Even yeah. though that one is yeah. still going on, we will have yeah. a brand new scandal in our hands. And... Mm. Some of us don't know that the families we are working with are in that situation because they wouldn't, it wouldn't cross our minds to ask ever. No, of course not. Ever. Yeah. Let me give you an example. Before uh, my previous role, I was doing looked after children. So as a specialist nurse yeah. for looked after children in an inner London borough, several of yeah. the children I did health assessment on were European citizens. And I, right. as curious as I am, as politically invested as I am, I asked them, so what's your, regu yeah. uh, what's your citizenship status? Uh, I'm Portuguese. Okay. So do you have your settled status? What's that? <gasps> that was the answer I received. these are looked after children. These are children being looked after by local oh, governments. for heaven's sake have not done the application on behalf of the children. Oh, please, Dina. You will come across these young people because there will be teenage moms, there will be with the FNP program, or there will be children with younger siblings that you are caring for. You will come across these families, but you don't know that you're coming across these yeah. families. So we, mm. as professionals, need to be a bit more curious. And we need to be more yeah, we aware. Need to make sure we're asking that. Yeah. What's really happening in the society we are yeah. living here? We cannot keep ourselves blinded away so right, from the right, issues right. that happen yeah. in society yeah. because we are part of those societies. Yeah? Yeah. We yeah, cannot yeah. just be a health visitor coming into the home, talking to the mom, weighing the baby, checking his reflexes, yeah. doing our checklist and walking out. Yeah. No. Let's have a conversation with our families. We have responsibility to our families to try and help and support them in any way that is going to affect their health and well-being. And that is what we do on a huge variety of issues. So we look at anything that would affect health or well-being. And I mean, there's not much more impactful on your health and well-being than suddenly being told that you could be deported because you didn't complete a form on time. I mean, for heaven's sake, like this is going to be massively impactful for yeah. our families. Yes, horrendous. Um, and with COVID going on, like you say, there's a good chance this deadline could pass with zero fanfare and everyone being unaware that it's even taking place. Yes, so yes. If you've got a family and you know that they have 
they're an EU national, then you need to be talking to them. Just about be their curious, yeah, because if you've been having Just conversations sure with your family, you would have known that they are an EU citizen. You would have known because the, yeah. the you would ask, oh, it's such an interesting name. Where is it from? You know, just yeah, a yeah. normal conversation yeah, yeah. that we have with our families because we are not yeah. there just to tick boxes. We are there to build relationships so that we are better able to safeguard our families. No, no, it's part of our health assessment. Right? Yeah. Right? Absolutely. So it's that conversation that I think is really yeah. important right yeah. now to elevate it, to take a step yeah further on our conversation yeah. so when i realized what was happening with yeah. uh, the looked after yeah. children that i was doing assessments on i started asking the social workers what is happening with these yeah. children mm. who is applying on their behalf yes. and the answers i start receiving from the social workers were absolutely yeah. shocking some social workers had no idea Some social workers believed it was not their responsibility at all. And some social workers quoted legislation at me. How can it not be your responsibility? You're the corporate parent. Yes, Amy, they are the corporate parent. <laughs> It's outrageous. It, it blows outrageous. your mind the depth of ineptitude that is happening within this Brexit scandal. It blows your mind. Yeah. Um, so, and some of I mean, I just find that completely bonkers that they're supposed to be looked after by the local authority and the same local authority that is supposed to be responsible for their welfare. The Children's Society has been working really hard together with Coran Buff uh, to try and um, ascertain the exact number of European looked after children in the country that need to have their status um, regularized. At first, The ballpark figure was around 5,000 uh, minors, EU citizens, that needed to have their status um, ascertained. But another barrier pops up. There's no central number. Each local authority yeah, is independent. So each local authority yeah. has its own number of uh, looked-after children. Yeah. But they don't always collect the dem demographics details no. yeah yeah of course so they don't really have an actual number you can totally see how this happens <laughs> yeah so it's just so totally shocking when you, you start can literally see it. it's like watching a train crash isn't it in slow motion like you literally know what's going to happen Um, and I think, you know, you're so right in that actually all of us have a responsibility to make sure that we play our part in trying to prevent this impending disaster for families, for families. <laughs> and for our colleagues as well. Yes, yes, it's both of us. It's both of us because, for example, when I was doing the looked after children role, the organization I was eat, mm. I was with was very much on the ball. I actually, within one year, I attended two different seminars for EU citizens. They invited lawyers in oh, to come and speak to their EU mm. staff and to try and clarify and unpeel these um, big mm. unsavory orange the government threw at us so they were really good on that sense and and they and they had part of their weekly newsletter internet newsletter was mentioning what's changing what's working what's moving what are they okay. doing in regards to their eu yeah. stuff and that to me yeah. showed me that they understood first the value of european yeah. stuff 
they realized that they yes, actually need really. them yeah. uh, to continue to run yeah. a successful trust. Yeah? Service. Yeah. But the one I'm with now, since I joined in August, I haven't heard a peep. Okay. And I and I, I I and now we're approaching the deadline. I try to read the the internet uh, newsletter they sent out every week and sometimes every day. Since COVID, we get one every day updating us on COVID and vaccination, etc., yes. etc., yes. et and well-being, staff well-being, and all of that. All the new things we are doing to support you in this pandemic. Fantastic, mm. excellent. But part of my well-being is the stress I'm under, not knowing if I can stay in the country after June or not. <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah. I can see how that would impact your well-being. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but not a peep. Oh, God. Not right. a peep. And, and, and I know they have several EU staff members. No, I know for a fact. Of course. There's no trust that doesn't have any EU staff members. I'm sure there won't be one. There isn't. I mean, it's relevant for everyone. And also, you're like you say, by reaching out and sort of asking that question, if you're asking somebody about their settled status I, I suppose I can imagine some people feeling uncomfortable about asking that question because they wouldn't want their colleagues to think that you know they're prying into their personal life or whatever and um, but I suppose in a way what you're doing is showing how much you value them as a team member and how much and the you fact care. that you need them to stay yes. and you want them to stay for heaven's sake like, exactly actually, Amy. it's not like they're not aware that brexit happened it's not like they're living thinking that you know so they're already feeling that and by offering that kind of hand of support and saying you know are you aware of everything and is there anything i can do to help or exactly you know, whatever that's that's only going to be a supportive thing it is very much so and i think i think that has very much to do with the reserved the um yeah, private british yes <laughs> Yes, very much so. But you know what? Sometimes you need to let the other person know that you actually care. Yeah, you're right. It's that simple. It's that simple. Yeah. You go out for yeah. coffee on your breaks, you eat together, you you yeah. you share your diaries to arrange uh, schedules to yeah. cover your shift, but you won't even ask if everything is fine with your status. I are we going yeah. to continue being colleagues? Are we going to continue going for a coffee together? Or you really just don't care? Yeah. Oh, because gosh. I've asked, I've myself asked, do they actually care? Because I've had yeah. colleagues sitting in the same office as me talking about, oh, I'm so fed up with this Brexit business. We voted. It's oh. fine. Just shut up about it. Yeah, you're right. How hurtful is so that? So you you actually have the freedom of mind and you feel safe and secure to spew your opinion that might be hurting your colleagues sitting on a chair mm. next, but you're mm. not open enough to check if your colleague is well. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's and painful. To not see how it's something that for you has dragged on and gone on and on and on and you're fed up of hearing about it that's your emotional reaction to it but the person sitting next to you in very different shoes may well be having an entirely different emotional reaction to it based on the fact that like you say their safety and well-being and that of their family is imminently at risk whereas you're nice and cozy and happy and you're 
safe home that you're not going to be ousted from. And you know, um, um, yeah. I don't know if you saw the fireworks at New Year's Eve. Uh, there was a moment where the um, the microphone showed yes. up and the word "you're on mute" was. Uh, yes. did, did you see that? Yeah, so yeah. that was the word yeah. of the year, which is true. But we, you citizens, we also we have a sentence of the year, and that sentence is not a happy one. That sentence is when we talk to um, our colleagues and our friends. British colleagues and British friends about what we're going through, their mm. response has majority being, oh, but not you, you'll be fine. Oh, for God's sake. Stop. Just don't say it again because we can't hear it anymore because you actually don't know. You voted without knowing what you're voting for. I am now carrying yeah. the consequences of that vote. And just because I've been here working alongside you and paying my taxes, you think I'm exempt? Yeah. There's millions of others like me. Without knowledge or understanding, isn't it? To say, oh, but it won't affect you. Well, how on earth do you know that? Like... Oh, how, but, but Almadina, you've been here for how long? Yes, over 25 years. And yet you've just thrown me under the bus. So makes no difference how long I've been here, honey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Dina, we love you, Ruby. We want you to stay, please. And everyone listening to this now is like, for God's sake, they can't throw this woman out of the country. You need to put her in charge. <laughs> no. so yeah we're I'm... throwing her out she's the new home office representative we're electing you <laughs> gosh no only if pretty leaves because there's no way on this earth i could work alongside pretty patel without smack her <laughs> to kingdom come <laughs> i'd be jailed well, for it i'd be jailed when for i'm in it. charge that's your job all right <laughs> when i run the world <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh. No, you know what? So yeah, I think this is um this is an important conversation and we need to yeah. we need to as colleagues, as friends, yeah. as professionals just mm. start having those conversations. That is all that I suggest. I don't expect you to go out there uh protest, fight our battles, uh write you could write to your MP. I mean, Absolutely, yeah. you could write to your MP. Um, and if, if there's people listening who want to support the idea of extending the deadline um, or the petitions that you said, um, that you mentioned from yeah. those organisations, yeah. where can they go? i tell you what I'm going to ask you to do, Dina. I'll ask you to send me across a little, like, any, any key organisations that you think would be important because what we usually do is have a little blurb yeah. in the podcast yes. that people can go to for further links yeah. and stuff. But... Is there anything you could do if you wanted to support those organizations? So, you know, some people like writing, write to your mm. MP um, or mm. write to the organization with your support. Because one thing yeah. that is really, it's really important also is for us to know we have allies. Yeah. It's for us to know we have people that understand what we're going through and find yeah. it unfair and yeah. that they stand with us. Yeah. Um, so you writing to the organizations that Amy will post also mm. lets us know we're not alone and we will yeah. should keep going. You can yeah. uh, also donate because these organizations are being pushed by us, volunteers. 
Um, and uh, yeah. everything, I mean, we have massive fundraising drives to be able to take the government to court. We are actually, um, the three million, which is the biggest one, uh, he's going to take the government to court. We actually have a first session, uh, I think it's in the high court, in two weeks' time in regards of having a physical proof of our status, which we don't have. Gosh, yeah. So one more twist, yeah, because it's not enough, all the issues I've told you. One more twist is when they approve our status, it's an email that they will email us telling us your status has been approved. We get no physical evidence except a page on the home office that we need to log into to show that we have been given status to whoever is asking it. So imagine we are in the queue. Oh my god. We are in the queue at Gatwick Airport coming back for our summer holiday with our family. We are on shift the day after at our health center, hospital, surgery yeah, center, whatever. But we are in the queue yeah. at Gatwick waiting to give our passport to come in. The border control is going to yeah. say do you have settled status? Are you allowed to be in the UK? And you're going to tell them, yes, please yeah. log into this page, put in this code and you will see my oh, status. God, you're right. Jesus, that's so stupid. Now, tell me, what do you think might go wrong? How can they possibly have not thought about this, Dina? <laughs> oh, my God, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I also feel incredibly ignorant for not having known this before I'm speaking to you now. So look, thank you so much for sharing all of this, because seriously. We are already having problems. I can assure you that some of your colleagues are already having trouble. If they need to move homes, the landlords are yeah. asking for evidence of settled status. We don't have it. All we have is a web page for them to log in, put in a code and find our status. And we have received screenshots of emails of landlords and employers telling mm. the staff we can't do that a local authority the last email we received was a local authority telling the the member of the public the eu citizen that they cannot log into external websites because it's an it's a, a danger to their own internal systems which i oh my god <laughs> So this person is trying to sort out some it. local issue, could be council tax, could be health. I'm not sure what yeah. it was because they only sent us a screenshot of the local authority reply. And yeah. in order to evidence their status, you need to log yeah. in, put the code that I've yes. given you, yeah. and you will see yeah. that I have status. The local authority has replied, we can't do that. It's an external website. How are we safe if it's a virus? Which is a fair question. Exactly, it is a fair question. And yeah. it will be a fair question for NHS trusts across the country. Yeah, it will be absolutely. a fair question for social care, for police. Yeah. A yeah, young black boy, 16, is stopped because he's with a group of rowdy friends and the officers want him to identify himself. Yeah, absolutely. How is he going to do that? Yeah. What, is the officer going to get his mobile phone out and start logging into this person's 
online record to see that they're no i don't think so no i don't think so either so when you start unpeeling the layers of danger (laughs) amy i can't tell you oh we are already encountering it so your colleagues this is this is like i cannot believe this is not being talked about more I'm shocked. It does not impact. I'll tell you what, I've got an idea. How about if we get you a slot on like primetime BBC? <laughs> yeah. And we just like get your face and just get your words and just get you to say like, right, everyone, this is the truth that you didn't know about Brexit and how it's affecting you and how it's affecting your neighbours and your friends and your work colleagues. And this is all the things that they're currently going through alongside all the pandemic crap that we're all going through that you didn't even know was happening. People are not interested. People are not interested. The Guardian, um, Politico, iNews, all the, the media that is considered liberal has yeah. been banging on about this. Mm. But no one, no one, they don't sell as much as the I'm Telegraph really or the Sun or the Daily Mirror. I such a low awareness of all this. I'm so ashamed that I didn't even have an awareness of this. No, don't um, be ashamed. Don't be ashamed because ugh. it's like I said, um, it's not general knowledge because people are over Brexit. So whenever someone starts talking about the impacts of Brexit... Yeah? yeah, because I'm over it. It happened 2016. Why are you banging on about it? Mm. The problem is yeah. I'm not banging on about the outcome of the vote. I'm not. No. That's done and no. dusted. Yeah, there's no point banging on about that now, whatever we may feel about it. It's waste of time. What I want you to understand is that you told us that I am your friend. I am your colleague. I am your partner. I am your neighbor. But you're letting mm. me sink by myself. Mm without yeah. knowing the barriers, the hostile environment the home office is handling us with. Mm. That's what I yeah. want you to be more aware of. Your colleague, your yeah. friend, your partner, your neighbor, because that's who we are. Yeah. That's who Absolutely. we are. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, okay. it's one of those yeah. subjects. So look, if if you're an EU um citizen listening, um know that we love you and want you here, um please. And please go um look up some of the organizations Dean is talking about if you need to access support if that's what you need to do. And if you're a non-EU British national listening to this and you're thinking, I didn't realise this previously applied to me and this was previously relevant for me, then hopefully you now know it is. Um, and you now know how you can help your colleagues and friends who need you right now. You are an EU colleague of mine, colleague of Amy. Go online. I mean, Facebook, um, the three million, that's yeah. the name, the three million.org. They have a Facebook page. Register with the forum, which is on Facebook, because that forum is rich with information. It's full of information any question you could ever imagine someone has asked in the last how many years now since 2016 someone has been asking and we've been compiling the three million have been compiling i keep saying we simply because Mm. i came alongside them 
right at the beginning in 2016 i marched with them yeah, we yeah. Did, did those huge marches of um walking from hyde park to trafalgar square i was there alongside them i am a paying member because i know they need financial support so when i say we that's what i meant but i am not <laughs> a founding member yes. as, as such yeah but but they have so much information and so much <laughs> knowledge they are lawyers they are policy advisors these are professional european mm. citizens who have realized the mine um the minefield that uh, yes, the yes. the situation is and they've come together to try and make sure that no one is is left behind and no one means also British citizens who are married to EU partners who live together, who have children who are dual, you know, everyone is part of this boat. Mm. It's not just the EU person because I might be European mm. and my husband might be British. And if I don't get myself a status, what's my husband going to do without me? I mean, what are we all going to do without you? I'm going to pick up my kids and I'm going to go back to the country of origin. But my life is not there. I have nothing there. No. That's not a solution. Not. Hell, I mean, nobody wants that for you, Dina. We, we want you No, no, I'm just giving it. it as an example because apparently yeah, I, I have settled yeah. status. I don't have any proof of it. <laughs> but I've been... <laughs> so that's our next battle. We want proof of evidence. Yeah. Just a simple card like a driver's license we just want something to say yeah, yeah. you have it so we can give it we can give it to the hospital when they ask us we can yeah, give it yeah. to uh the landlord we can yes, give it to the sure. gym when we go to register on a membership yeah. to have gym access we can give it to schools when we are enrolling our children just think of everything and yeah. everywhere you need to give your id card that's it your bank yeah, card is your id yeah, card yeah. for british citizens you use your bank card in lots of places yeah, or driver's license. Or driver's license, you know? Yeah. We need something like that. That's all we're asking for. But it's a huge battle because the Home Office has said that yeah. the way they are going yeah. forward is uh, not to provide physical proof to no one. They want to digitalize all the migration services in the country. Not just us. Well, that's, I mean, that's all very well and good. And I appreciate we're moving into a digital age and we all need to get on board with going online. And that's fine if your systems are set up for that. But you have to start with the logistics of accepting a digital form of proof. And then you expect people to be with the digital form of proof. You can't start with expecting people to have a digital form of proof, but not have a system in place to approve it. You hit the nail of the head because they keep advertising it, demonstrating the success that Australia has had. But Australia had a 10 year program of implementation. So now if you arrive in Australia, everyone knows it's digital. Everyone, the corner mm. shop. The swimming pool at the end of the road, the coffee shop yeah. at the top. Everyone knows it's digital. And they all have a process for how to access it. And they all digital. have a process for how to access it that works because yeah. it's been an implementation program over 20 years to make it overall across the country Seamless. for all foreigners. Yeah. The UK wants it done say, in two we're days. We're going digital, but without providing anything, any system for them to for people to use. Because, like you say, people are just going to refuse to use it. I people mean, are refusing to to use it. Perfectly, 
as a legitimate argument from their perspective that they can't just follow a link that someone sends them randomly yeah. and just click on it. Yes. Like, because they don't they know what it that. is. They don't know what it is. They don't know there's a no. digital system for migrants. No. No. Well, I do now, thanks to you. <laughs> um, Good. So look, thank you so much for your time. Honestly, really, really appreciate it. And I think this might be one of the most valuable episodes we've ever done. So oh. I'm going to shout about it a lot. Where, where do I go to hear it or, or just... At, um, yeah, so, well... We're on all podcast apps, so oh, any fabulous. podcast app. You've got an iPhone, haven't you? I do. So there's a little purple podcast app on an iPhone, and you can just click on it. It's automatically installed. It's already on your phone. Now, oh, fab. You can just click on it and search for I am a health visitor. And we I'm a health visitor. Up. Excellent. I should have known yeah. this. I'm sorry. Now I'm ashamed because we've no. talked about this oh, before. Don't be daft. I mean, I'm literally, as I'm saying that, I'm aware that I'm asking you to type in I am a health visitor. I know, and I'm not. So- <laughs> I'm a proud school nurse. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> no, thank you so, so much yeah. for this opportunity. And um, yeah, just search for uh, the3million.org and um, Settled. Settled is another yes. big one. Those are the two biggest okay. ones. And there's several oh, other yeah. smaller ones. And I'll send the links to Amy and Amy can... Uh, and I will put them in the blurb. And hopefully we've got a few health visitors around there fired up and listening, thinking... Blimey neck, I didn't know all this was going on and I'm going to yeah. put my finger out and do something about this because yeah. it actually is not okay what we're putting no. through. No, no. Um, so, yeah, so there you go. Health visitors have an Sorry. amazing opportunity here to change a family uh, status. Yeah. When you come and you go and see that family, engage with yeah. them. And you know what? They looked after children nurses, the, the school nurses, the yes. district nurses. You are going yeah. into these people's homes. You are building relationship with these families. Let them know you care and let them know you can yeah. do more than just shrug your shoulder. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. And thank you so much for giving us this insight. It was so valuable and so lovely to talk to you. I know, lovely Um, to see you again. (laughs) So, yeah, um, I'm going to have to do the sign-off. Jenny always does this, so I'm probably going to get it wrong. But um, thanks so much for listening to us, everyone. And if you would like to contact us or comment at all, then you can send us an email to Visitor at gmail.com you can contact us on facebook where we are i am a health visitor or on twitter or instagram where we are at i am a hv and hopefully we will hear from you soon thanks so much for listening in and thanks again dina for joining us thank you tremendous pleasure take care guys bye bye